With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In regards of growing as a coach, you have to be genuine about that. You know, you can't be putting on a front just because it's fine and dandy on Saturday to, to have the logo and run out in front of a sellout crowd. You have to truly embrace this grind. You have to truly love what you do. You got to have a genuine feel for that. On today's episode of the Coaching Coordinator Podcast, I'm excited to be joined by the defensive backs coach at Kennesaw State, Darius Safford. Kennesaw State has had one of the top defenses in the FCS, and they do a great job on the back end, which now is led by Coach Safford. Coach, we're really excited to have you here today. Thank you for taking the time. Keith, I appreciate you, man. Uh, you've done a heck of a job with all the platforms, and you know I'm, I'm blessed to be in this situation, and you extended this opportunity, man, so I'm extremely excited. Coach, we're going to get into a lot of the things you do here as a coach, both on and off the field, but I know your start, at least Playing in college was at Lafayette and uh, playing for John Luce, who's at Army now. And you and I, before we got going, we're talking about Lawrence first and goal. And we have Lawrence first and goal coming up here March 3rd through 5th. For our listeners, if you go to lfgf2022.coachesclinic.com, you can save right now on an early bird. Best savings is the staff pass. You save up to $100 right now. So Coach was a part of that last year. We'll put his clinic talk in the show notes. And Coach, you certainly grabbed my attention there with the way that you do things. But as I said, for you, your start was at Lafayette. At what point did you think about becoming a coach? And what really were those things that made you think this is something you wanted to go into as a profession? So Keith, for me, it was one of those deals where I didn't really fall in love with coaching until after I got done playing. I was training for my pro day after I finished up my my graduate year at Georgia Southern. Back home in Douglasville, I was training, and my mentor, Justin Deshaun, who just got his first head coaching job at Chapel Hill High School, um, just extended the offer, said, hey, coach, man, if you have any spare time, would you come back and help out? And, you know, just kind of give my thoughts and, you know, my vision and advice to those young men and just kind of be there for them and, I never forget the first day. It was in the summertime. I absolutely enjoyed it. Um, and it just felt so natural to me. And I think the real reason why I got into coaching is for me to be raised by a single mother who had no idea about the recruiting process. She was just excited for me to go off to college. And I wanted to have the chance to give back and tell my story. And, and it started right there at Chapel Hill High School. So that's when I fell in love with it. 
Keith, and I and I'm I'm so grateful for Justin Deshaun for extending that invitation again. A, a young guy coming out fresh out of college, and you know what I'm saying, had no idea about coaching, didn't have any ad- admiration to get into coaching. Um, I'm forever thankful for him. So that's where it stemmed at right there. I think it was 2014 that summer, that spring and summer. That's when I really fell in love with coaching. I said, okay, let's see if I can do this. When you look at your your first years in coaching and some maybe it was the advice you got or or a lesson you learned from one of your mentors what things stick out as some of those key lessons that helped you become the coach that you are today I would have to say you know one of those key lessons truthfully was was really kind of just to bring my best every day you know it, it was just one of those deals that just kind of stuck out to me and, and take ownership in everything that I did because again you know my work is a reflection of me as a coach you know whether that's drawing up anything in the playbook or you know making copies as a graduate assistant or actually having a chance to coach at camps you know I think just taking ownership in everything that I did and everything that I do really just kind of piggyback off of you know hey this is something in regards of a coach what you need to do. Coach, with that, three things that you've said are really important to who you are as a coach is being intentional, bringing passion to what you do, and building the relationships. So let's talk a- about each one of those here. And I know before we got talking, you really emphasized the relationship part. So we'll, we'll get to that one. But you know, being intentional, uh, why is that so important to you and what you do as a coach? I think in the game of football, I mean, it's much about life. Um, and, and intention is not just on the football field, you know, how we play a certain coverage, but, you know, it stands for going back to the meeting rooms and how intentional and how detailed I am of my presentation, my preparation, everything that I do within the building, but but also just in life in general, you know, just, just being intentional and, and dialed into everything that I do will lead to success on the football field. You know, again, if a meeting starts at 225, I mean, my intention will be in there 10 minutes early. You know, is, is that something that I harp on? So, um, I, I think everything that I do, as detailed as I am, really kind of goes and in, in, in corresponds with the intentional piece of, you know, just how I present myself. And again, you know, I, I have this deal within my coaching philosophy. You know, one, one of my eight pillars is being detailed. And, you know, you can piggyback off of intentional as well, too. But just don't let anything slip, you know, when it comes to holding guys accountable. You know, if if they see that they can get away with a small issue, then those small issues becomes major problems. So, again, just nipping that in the bud in regards of how that can correspond to a player. But just what I do as a coach and being intentional from on the field, I can take it down to to the slightest steps, you know, the eye transition as far as defensive backs. You know, I will start a drill over if it's not done right. That's just the way I carry myself. But, again, when it goes to being in the meeting rooms, even in the, the our coaching meetings, staff meetings, as we're going around the table, I want to make sure we're intentional with everything that we do. I mean, I ask those questions. If there's any uncertainty, any question marks, any gray area, I make sure I clean it up. Because, again, that just transpires to, again, me presenting myself in the correct scheme as in the meeting. And then that carries over to success we've been having on the field. So I'm very detailed just as an individual. You know, I'm the guy that's making sure there's nothing misspelled on the presentations. I'm the guy that's making sure that, again, everything from a preparation standpoint is prepared and and ready to go. With the details, you mentioned to me that having passion behind it, having that energy enthusiasm behind it is important as well. If you would talk a little bit about how that works into who you are as a coach, even, you know, sometimes it's it's not always easy, right? There's, There's some adversity going on, but you find a way to bring the passion to it. 
I think when someone hears passion, you know, they, they think of a high energy guy and I'm not knocking that. That's exactly, that's who I am. That's part of it. But I think there's more to it when it comes to the passion piece of it. I mentioned this before to a lot of my guys, you know, I, I'm extremely blessed to be in this position. I would have never thought I'd be in this position. So the passion is real. It's very real and very genuine. Again, when I step foot in the meeting rooms or even on the field, you know, I treat it almost as a sanctuary of just getting away from from real world problems, as I say, and, and just enjoying the game of football that's taught me so much. That's why I'm so passionate, because essentially I want to give the game back of what it's given me throughout the past year as a player and now as a coach. So, you know, I'm very passionate about that. And again, guys feel the passion and the energy in the meeting room, in the weight room, anything that we do, they feel that. But, you know, again, it's not only from an energy standpoint and the vibe, you know, it's I truly enjoy coaching every day. I can't deny that when people ask what I do for work, I tell them I coach at Kennesaw State University. I mean, they're shocked by that. And I tell them it's not work to me. That's how much I love what I do. And I think that's going to carry on for a long time. And, you know, another stem from the passionate aspect is always finding ways to get better. You know, if you're truly passionate about what you do, you're not going to become complacent at any means. So I'm always finding ways to get better. You know, this podcast is finding ways to get better with you asking these questions, giving me an opportunity to present myself as a young man and as a coach. You know, when I was at the AFCA Coaches Convention out of San Antonio, I'm sitting in defensive back rooms, you know, sitting in linebacker meetings, hearing the defensive coordinators talk about their philosophy. Whatever I, whatever I'm doing, I'm always trying to find ways to get better and asking one or two questions. I had the pleasure of bumping into Willie Martinez. He's a defensive backs coach at Tennessee. And, um, you know, just kind of ask them how they handled the tempo, you know, especially going against Coach Hypo in that offense at Tennessee. How did they handle the tempo? And, you know, he gave me a few little nuggets that I can apply to my guys this upcoming spring. So I'm excited about that, you know. So that kind of goes into the passion, you know, from on the field. I'm a very high-energy guy. You know, from the meeting room, very detailed and high energy. You know, there's no, there's not going to be any lulling around. If guys are falling asleep, I guarantee you they, they're going to hear my voice. And then, of course, how am I getting better as a coach? You know, how am I, am I truly passionate about what I do and what I'm doing to find ways to get better? Before we got going, we were talking a little bit about the things you do to build relationships. And what I thought was unique is, is the way you approach it in that you're not thinking about the relationship now. You're thinking about building a relationship that goes beyond the four or five years that lasts a lifetime. And you're probably getting to that age now where you've been in this, you know, seven years, eight years now that, you know, guys are getting married, they're having kids, uh, they're they're doing things with their own career. And those are things, you know, you're thinking about and, and what you want to hear about. And I, I, I like that approach because we all talk about the importance of relationships in in this profession, but the for you that focus on the long term certainly becomes more transformational in how you build that relationship because I think maybe even a, it might be a mistake to think about what can I do to build this relationship now to get the most you know out of this guy on the field for me that get can get a little bit transactional right so uh, I think there is it, and certainly you can do that, but I think if the approach is this is going to be a transformational relationship, I want to make a difference in your life, I want to be impactful to you, there's different things that go into it in in the long run that maybe override you know that short-term approach. Can you talk to us a little bit about your approach to that and, and how it is long-term for you? 
the reason I got into coaching what was to have an impact, was to guide young men to a successful path. That's truly why I got into it. And I think that's why I take time in the building relationships. And, and as I mentioned before, you know, when you first time walk in a meeting room or a building, those guys aren't going to open their arms up to you. You know, those guys aren't going to tell you their life stories right off the bat. It's going to take constant effort from, from my end as a coach, um, as a man, to peel back those layers, to, to understand that young man's why, what makes him go, why is he doing what he's doing, why is he getting up at 6 a.m. during the offseason. I think that's the real piece, I and mean, that's what I truly enjoy about this game is, is developing those relationships. Of course I'm developing those relationships. Therefore, that young man has the ability to, to reach his potential as a football player but it goes long beyond just the football years, the four or five years I have with these young men. I truly look forward to you mentioned, Keith, those text messages in regards to the promotion of a job. You know, I have a young man um, that was at Kennesaw State who just got promoted to the Atlanta Hawks. You know, I got a young man that I still keep in contact, my first full-time job at the University of West Georgia Division II school west of Atlanta. So those are things I truly enjoy from relationship piece. And, you know, it's not going to happen, you know, sometimes within the first couple years, couple months. But at some point, those guys are going to realize that my intentions, as we go back to the intentional piece, was extremely genuine. And everything that I asked those guys to do, I would do myself. And again, I think they see the bigger picture of it. You know, I had a couple older guys, you know, my first year here at Kennesaw State. So that relationship piece really was expedited in a sense, um, of course, didn't reach its full potential. So truthfully, you know, after it was all said and done, we lost in the second round of the playoffs in 2019. You know, those text messages, those phone calls that those guys reached out to me just just thanking me in regards of always pushing and always being there. You know, I have this deal on my board. It's still five minutes weekly. And, and again, this is during the season. I know how much of a grind it is. Um, you know, some coaches don't find time for that. But I ask my guys to come in and let's talk for at least five minutes. And it doesn't have to be about football. We're going to talk about football in the meetings. You know, I want to know what's going on in class. I want to know how their parents are doing. I want to know how their siblings are doing. I just want to know what's going on in their life. Again, you're going to get the generic response, I'm okay, coach. But, again, if you're constantly having those weekly meetings, they're, they're going to open up at some point. And that's what I mean by peeling back the layers and developing those relationships. And it's not just with my guys. You know, I've always had this open-door policy with everyone in the building. You know, I take pride into, you know, walking down a hallway and, and fist bumping an offensive lineman. I take pride in knowing every single body's name on this team, every young man. I truly take pride from the offensive lineman to, of course, the skilled guys on the offensive side of the ball to the defensive lineman to even the specialists. During the season, there's limited time we can have these guys in the building within a certain time frame. But, you know, anytime that I have the chance to to walk down to practice or to walk back from practice, which is roughly about a five to seven minute walk, you know, I, put, I, I, I take the young man aside and just ask him those questions, you know, as far as what's going on, how's life, you know, continue to ask those questions or, you know, hey, what's for dinner tonight? Just kind of get these guys losing up. Hey, any plans for the weekend or anything upon that nature? Those guys truly seem to enjoy those conversations. Maybe not as much as I do because, again, for me, it's all about the relationship piece. You know, I would love to win national championships. I, I would love to. I, I wouldn't sit here and lie to you. I'm passionate about what I do. But if I can have a young man who last time I coached him was three to five years prior and he gives me a call just just say, hey, coach, I was thinking about you. Or if he reaches out to me, if I get a promotion just recently, you know, I've been elevated to the defensive backs coaching. 
Uh, I'm truly grateful for that. But just seeing all those guys circle back around from my time at Georgia Southern, um, even my time back at Chapel Hill High School, um, got Cameron Gill, who played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, circled back and just reached out to me and said congratulations. Or my time at Mercer, you know, guys from the offensive side of the ball, defense side, it does not matter. So I feel like I'm doing something right, Keith, truthfully, when it comes to those relationship pieces. If I have those guys circling back, and you know, that that's not what it's for, you know, for those guys to reach back out to me when I've reached a milestone in my career. But, again, it's vice versa as well, too. You know, I'm, I'm definitely – checking in on those guys whenever I think about them, you know, shooting them a text here and there, uh, just to let them not think about them that I love them. Well, I like that approach that you take too in, in, you know, building relationships outside of your position group and finding ways to do that. I know I always made that a point when I was a coach. Um, and, and, you know, when you're the head coach, uh, of, like I was of a high school program, of course you're going to know everybody's name. But as you get to the college level and the rosters are bigger, you know, most of your interactions with the guys in your room or the guys in your unit. Uh, so it's, you know, you have to make it a point. But when you think about, you know, what are we trying to accomplish here together? You know, being able to step across and say, I'm going to I'm gonna get to know some of the guys on the other side or I really want to make it a point to know everybody on this team goes a long way in helping build the culture. It really does. I think, Keith, you know, I, I one day want to be a head coach. And, and I think that's why I, I take that approach and, you know, and then also, I don't want any young man to feel left out. And I know I'm just one one coach on this staff, and I, and our coaches do a great job here at Kennesaw State. But I want to make sure that no young man feels left out or, you know, left high and dry or feel like no one cares about him. And, and, and again, if it's just a, hey, how you doing? Hey, if you need anything, just give me a call. If there's something I can do, let me know. I think that goes a long way. You know, these guys have a lot of pressure now. Don't get me wrong. They have a lot of freaking pressure from balance of school to football, college football at that, college athletic, which is a full-time job, and, and some were trying to have a social life as well, too. So I understand. I've been in their shoes. Again, the reason why I got into coaching is I've been in those locker rooms. I've had those conversations with buddies when, when things get tough, when um, adversity is, is right there in your face. So, again, having someone who's been through situations very similar in the past you know, I feel like I could be that guy for those guys to lean on to have that conversation. Coach, moving things to more of on the field here and looking at what you're doing to develop your players. I know you start with a core four of things, you know, your your pillars, which you're building your defensive unit, uh, backs unit around. What is that for you? So when it comes to the four core, these are non-negotiable. This is something that we're, we're going to attack every single day in EDDs, individual drills. And again, if they're equal, it's not that one more than another. So as I list these four core, it's not that one is more important than another. So the four core skill sets to be a great defensive back, you know, I have eyes and footwork together, you know, eyes and footwork. I think the ability for a DB to be extremely disciplined starts with his eyes. We already know any type of dirty eyes is going to result in explosive plays, explosive opportunities, and we don't want that. And when you talk about the footwork piece of it, you know, the outstanding footwork and the technique of a DB's footwork will lead to success. So that's one of the, the four core. Then when I move on to the next, we mentioned the tackling. Like I talked about, you know, this is something that we're going to do every single day, whether it's a tackle circuit as the entire defense or something that we just do as far as the back end. We're going to do this. It's non-negotiable. Find different ways, of course, to switch things up. But, you know, I, I emphasize as a defensive back, we are the last line of defense. So tackling must be important. You know, I, I think, you know, when you talk about the common mistakes in the tackling, you know, is again, you know, the tackler stop his feet, he's lunging, 
He loses vision of the ball carrier, dropping his head, where the case may be. So in order to be an efficient tackler, you know, we talk about having a confidence, you know, having a good base, you know, feet are constantly moving. Got to do a great job of understanding angles, all right, and then have to have the vision to secure the ball carrier. And then ultimately you got to be tough. To step in front of someone with the ball, you got to be a tough individual. So, you know, that's something that we have to approach on a daily basis. And then, of course, you know, we, we started talking about the block destruction. Again, these are all equal principles when I talk about my four core of being a great defensive back. With the game becoming such a perimeter game, you know, it, it's very important that defensive backs, you know, take this this this, this opponent and apply it with, with serious, serious effort. They're always trying to find ways, and I mean they, as far as the offense, always trying to find ways for the defensive back to get you know, in the run game, especially corners. You know, they they do a good job of, you know, crushing down the short side and forcing the ball off the edge to force that corner to tackle. So I use DDF in regards to block destruction. Deliver, disengage, and finish. I want to deliver the blow by attacking, you know, the, the potential blocker. I want to do a great job of disengaging, okay, by winning with good hand placement. It's something that we talk about here at Kennesaw State. It's 33 position, 33 strike. It's essentially the, the the outside of the breastplate. You know, we call that the three position, so 33 strikes. So I got to win with great hand placement, okay? And then, again, once I, do a dis, once I do disengage, it results in a violent snatch, okay? And then also you got to finish the ball carrier lastly. So, again, that's DDF. All right, deliver, disengage, and finish in, in regards to the block destruction. And then last but not least, um, of course, is win the one-on-one. You know, as a defensive back, you know, most schemes – all right, and coverage is turning the man concepts, truthfully. You know, whether it's your quarter coverage, people do match coverage out of their cover three. Of course, you got your man-to-man package. So, again, you have to have the ability to win a one-on-one, okay? And then to be able to be a great defensive back, you know, you got to be willing to accept that challenge as well, too, especially out there on the perimeter. They're going to continue to come back to that corner on vertical concepts. You know, they're going to find mismatch with the safety in the slot. It's a huge RPO game nowadays. So we got to do a great job of winning the one-on-one on the outside of the perimeter and also on the slot. We got to have the mindset on the back end and the confidence that every ball that is thrown is a 50-50 ball and that we have every right to it, every right to it. So it's still in that confidence and mindset with my guys. And then last, we got to finish. Most importantly, we got to finish. I would love to have interceptions rather than pass breakups, but ultimately we got to finish and win the one-on-one. So those are my four core. Those are my four core. It goes back to the eyes and footwork. Got to have this one eyes, tackling defensive back with a last line of defense, block destruction with the foot with the game of football being on the perimeter. We got to do a great job of DDF, deliver, disengage, and finish. And then ultimately, we got to win a one-on-one on the back end. Coach, I know you like to play an aggressive style of coverage. You love the press man. And you know, before we got going, you said you could talk about that for hours. So um, we don't have hours, not on this particular podcast, but uh, if – you would please share with us what you feel are really the key things. If you're looking at, okay, this is what I'm going to, these are the essentials of what I'm going to coach up to teach these guys to be successful and press man. What are those things? So I always try to break down and give my guys a reason why, why are we doing this? Why are you playing press man? Okay. Coach is third and short. They've been hitting a lot of quick game. We want to take away the quick game. Love that. Or coach, we want to disrupt the timing of the receiver and the quarterback. When you watch down on their side of the ball, whether it's pregame or in practice, that receiver has to get from point A to point B in a certain time mark. 
how can I disrupt that? And it starts with playing press man. Ultimately, I want to make that receiver run the U. If I'm pressed up on an individual, I want to make him run the U. Again, if he runs a straight line, that's a win for that receiver. So if I do a great job of making him run the U, that's a win for me, okay? Now, when it comes from a lineman standpoint, I want to be a yard and a half off of the ball. Again, our alignment as far as shading inside or outside is going to be dictated by the call. But I also want to emphasize that we want to line thicker on that receiver than not. Okay, ultimately, we're trying to, again, make him run the hump, okay, and then we want to disrupt the timing, okay? There's things that are constantly emphasized, okay, when it talks about press man and why we're press man, okay? Again, square stance, feet slightly wider than shoulder width apart, slight knee bend, all right, with chest over my knees, weight is on the balls of my feet, really want to emphasize the inner, okay, the inner portion of the field. And then also, we got to know which hip that we're keying in regards to that leverage hip. So, when it comes to a plan of action, you got to have a plan when you get up there and play press man. You know, I can't just sit here and do what I do on a daily basis because those receivers are taught to have things in their toolbox and their repertoire to defeat press man. So we got to make sure that we're giving different looks and something to counter that receiver. Again, I have a whole drill take key that can go on to this, but I'm going to kind of keep it simple in regards to the plan of action. In this particular order, I want to have great eyes, great feet, hands if necessary. And the reason I say hands if necessary, because a lot of guys have the, the mindset that, okay, we're playing press, man. I want to just play with my hands. No, sir. It's going to end up being a flag. It's going to be a penalty. All right. So again, I want to have great eye discipline. Again, kind of goes back to the four core of the eye discipline and eyes and footwork. And my feet have to be extremely uh, exceptional, exceptional feet. Okay. If I do that at the line of scrimmage, Again, I will most likely win more than not. And therefore, again, that forces that guy to run to you. When I have good eye discipline, when I work to a 45-degree cutoff with my feet, and then also the hands is only if necessary. So only if I get in a striking position of that receiver, whether he's still within my frame or I do a great job of locking out that elbow, keeping that thumb up, aiming for that 33-strike position, which would just be a three since I'm shooting an offhand, and my hands is just a bonus. It's just a bonus. I think also guys have to do a good job in the press man of route recognition. What does route recognition mean? So these guys have a, we, we call it a level one, level two, level three, in regards to what you're going to get from a route depth standpoint. Level one is essentially the quick game routes. Things that's going to happen between the line of scrimmage and five yards. You know, that's your slant, that's your hitches, speed outs. Then we progress to level two. What is the level two? You know, that's around the 10 to 15 yard mark. You can bump it down to eight, all right, to 15 yards. Okay, that's the, the curls, the dig, the comebacks, more of the sale concepts, the deep out, or a post snapping off roughly probably about 10 to 12 yards. And then we talk about the level three, particularly probably a five to seven step drop, routes that are greater than 15 yards. So, again, once the receiver releases off the ball, I'm keying that leverage hit, but I'm going through my, my route recognition. Okay, what can happen between this yard mark, level two, level three? Okay, that's the conversation what I'm having with those guys. So to sum it all up, if you have great eyes, great feet, and then again, you use your hands as just a bonus and make that receiver run the hump, run the U, and just disrupt the timing, you're going to win every single time when it comes to press math. Question on using the hands, and as you're especially think of the younger guys coming to you, freshman, whatever, uh, when you're first teaching this, are you allowing that guy to use hands right away, or are you trying to – teach him to do things without the hands 
I'll only emphasize eyes and feet to start off. You're 100% right, Keith. To, ne- to neglect those guys from getting handy, okay, I'm emphasizing eyes and feet. I would do a drill where you bet not shoot your hand, okay? It's going natural to shoot that get to shoot that offhand when that guy is within your framework, which I understand, but I'm constantly emphasizing those guys, eyes, feet, hands, if necessary. I've done this in the past where I put boxing gloves on guys so they don't get so handsy. Therefore, they won't come grabbing or anything upon that measure when we do one-on-one. So that's another way to kind of neglect the hands aspect and only using the hands piece for a bonus aspect of it. So you're 100% right. If I got a true freshman walking into my room or a guy who's not very comfortable playing press man, again, I would try to keep the hands out of the equation when it comes to individual drills. You know, I would keep the hands out of the equation, do different things. Therefore, it won't be a natural thing to shoot that offhand but again, just emphasizing the eyes and feet portion. If you do a great job with the eyes and the feet and proper weight distribution, you will be fine. Coach, looking at some of the things that have helped you improve as a coach, uh, what would you say are things you've focused on in order to be successful in this this profession? I know you talked before a little bit about some of these things, you know, building relationships, obviously you have to be genuine and I know that's something you you brought up in in regards to improvement but what are the the things that are most important for you as you continue to grow and improve as a coach so I think it starts with being a great teacher you got to be a great communicator in everything that you do you know you got to find multiple ways of engaging guys so you have to have different learning techniques Uh, every player is different you know I can get on the board and, and drop a few coverages drop a few blitz packages and I got young men who can grasp it right away without even writing things down. But sometimes you have to engage other guys from, okay, let's walk through this. Let's walk through this technique. Let's talk about where your eyes are at. Let's slow it down just so other guys can, can gauge it and process it. Everyone is different, and I've come to learn that. And I think that's truly what helped me in my career as a player. I was at a private school at Lafayette College in the Patriot League and then graduate transfer to Georgia Southern. So I think I – I got the best of both worlds of, of how to approach different kids just based off my, my playing experience. So I think that's very, very important. And then also the preparation piece as well, too. And I'm going a, I'm to a go down a, a little bit more, and then I'm going to touch on the three other the important components. But I'm just buzzed through as far as just bringing my best every day. I think that's extremely important. You know, my mentors kind of emphasize, hey, be yourself. Be yourself. So bringing my best. Not anyone else bringing my best every day will lead to being a successful coach, and that's with a great attitude, you know, positive attitude. I kind of got this from um, Will Hall as he was acting in West Georgia. I was coming in. You know, he had this acronym AIE, attitude is everything. So so having that positive attitude and a great attitude, that vibrant kind of aura rubs off from everyone in the building, believe it or not, you know, and, and with the, in regards to bringing my best every day is embracing the grind. You know, never panic in in adverse situations. You know, those two components are extremely important. You know, what other things can separate yourself, you know, from other coaches is being organized. Time is valuable, as we know it in the season. You know, you may only have a 30-minute position meeting. So how are you going to have a plan to be able to get everything accomplished within that 30-minute meeting? So time is valuable. So being organized, you know, that starts with, you know, having my notes on the board. Handouts are ready to go sitting in their seats. You know, my practice class game cutups are ready to go, you know, so it's not that I'm fooling through anything. So having a plan on a daily basis kind of leads to being organized. The accountability piece is something that I think coaches must continue to emphasize regardless of 
what time of the year it is. I don't care if it's the off season. I don't care if it's the summer. Of course, the, the grind of the season, holding guys accountable from coaches to coaches and, and coaches to players, I think is a, is a cornerstone for a successful program. That's something that we emphasize here as far as the accountability. And that's something that, that we, we definitely hold our guys to a high standard. Um, I think it's very unique how we handle business here. We get email 5 o'clock every single day if guys have missed tutoring, athletic training, any type of treatment, anything that pops up. You know, even when we're out on the road recruiting, we're getting a 5 o'clock email from our academic staff or our strength and conditioning staff just so we all on the same page and hold the guys accountable. They will receive a punishment for it. You know, there will be consequences to that. This is very important when it comes to the accountability pieces. We cut corners as coaches. They will cut corners as players. It's point blank period. So if you're cheating the system, don't be surprised when those guys will cheat the system as well too. It goes back to being a great teacher, understanding that everyone is different. So again, I have to discover what motivates individual players what is their why and it goes back and ties back into the relationship piece i should know what gets them going if i'm doing a great job at developing relationship piece but outside of all of that three things you know that that i hit on someone asked me hey what do i need to do what is there i need to do in regards to become a successful coach or or to improve myself as a coach genuine be transparent and challenge Okay, I think being genuine in everything that you do is extremely important. You know, those guys have to be able to feel that as well. You know, the genuine love, the tough love, you know, they have to understand you're coming from a genuine background. In regards to growing as a coach, you have to be genuine about that. You know, you can't be putting on the front just because it's fine and dandy on Saturdays to, to have the logo and run out in front of a sellout crowd. You have to truly embrace this grind. You have to truly love what you do. You got to have a genuine feel for that. I think a genuine relationship with, with, with your your colleagues as well, too, is extremely important. You know, they have to understand that you're genuine in everything that you do, that you're trying to get better. Being genuine is, is extremely important because, again, I think this generation nowadays are able to see through, see through the fake, see what's not real, see what's just put on for a front. So I think genuine is extremely important. You know, it goes back to the being a genuine guy, building relationships. Mm-hmm. I think that's 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 extremely extremely important. Then transparent. You know that that falls in the line from from coach to coach to coach to player. You got to have that ability to take constructive criticism. You know, you got to have some type of transparency, some type of humility. I think that falls into being transparent as well. You know, as far as how are you feeling. You know, discussing that with coaches as well. But then also the transparent piece. In regards to having those tough conversations with with the players, you know, I always give this example of, you know, if I got a young man who's been a two-year starter but have this extremely talented freshman on the verge of beating him out, I got to do a great job of being transparent and having that conversation. What does he need to improve on? You know, if that does not get accomplished, this is going to be the result from it. And, again, in order to have those tough conversations, in order to come across extremely genuine, you got to have that relationship piece. Okay, now a guy's not going to agree with it at first, but again, I think they will respect you so much more. Again, if you're extremely transparent with these guys, and again, lay it all out in front of them, I think that's extremely important. Then on a daily, you got to challenge, you know, challenge yourself to get better. You know, I think that's what we do a great job here at Kennesaw State. After every season, we have the opportunity to sit down with our head coach, and you know, I'm not afraid to ask those questions. Hey, coach, what do I need to get better on? If he has not already addressed that, I want to know more. How can I grow? So, again, from, from a humility standpoint, I'm challenging myself as a coach. All right, how can I grow? Again, I challenge my defensive coordinator. 
why are you running this certain pressure, this certain stunt? Why are you matching it up with this coverage behind it? You know, just constantly asking questions. And, you know, I'm asking our recruiting coordinator, hey, coach, can, can is there any merit to doing certain things? And what do you think about this? So I'm not only challenging him, but also challenging my ideas to see if it's actually valid. And then when you go from a coach to player aspect, you know, I want to do a great job of challenging them. Like, this is a huge pillar why I got into coaching, playing at Lafayette College, having the ability to, to become a two-year starter, three-year letter winner, team captain my senior year. I was an all-league player. I felt like I became complacent. I wasn't challenged on a daily basis. Whenever I reached that pinnacle, I was never challenged the way I wanted to be. And, and it's something that, 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 again, is like a chip on my shoulder that I constantly emphasize to those guys you know, that I'm going to always challenge them. I'm going to always push their buttons to find ways to get better. Now, I understand you're not always going to have a great day. You know, there, there's going to be a multitude of things that can affect your approach to meetings, to practice. I understand that, but it's still my job to challenge you. Again, I think they understand it at the end of the day. Maybe not at the moment sometimes. It's almost sometimes pulling teeth with guys and, you know, kind of kind of poking them. But I think at the end of the day, these guys realize it. They, they truly do. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's satisfying when you get those messages and when you get those phone calls, when you sit down and have those one-on-one meetings at the end of the season of those guys saying, thank you, coach. Thank you for, for pushing me when I didn't want to be pushed, when I thought I reached my potential, okay, my pinnacle. You continue to push me on a daily basis, finding ways to get better. And it all stems back to that relationship piece. All stems back. It starts in the recruiting process. You got to continue to develop it as soon as these guys step on campus. I think if you're able to circle all that back around, you will be successful. You will have those transparent conversations, but they see exactly where you're coming from. You're able to challenge guys as well, too. Coach, you shared a lot of great stuff here, things you do both on and off the field. But looking at everything you do, what's the one thing you do as a coach you feel really is the key to giving your players the winning edge? One thing that I do is be myself. And that sounds very broad and generic. But when I'm myself and everything that I just explained to you, Keith, it pours out to those guys. I hate losing. I'm passionate about what I do. I'm very detailed about everything that I do. I consider myself a great motivator. I hold guys accountable. I don't care if you're an All-American, All-Conference, you're a walk-on young man, you're a three-star transfer, whatever the case may be, I'm going to hold you accountable. So I think me being myself and me asking the best of those guys, I think truly that's why my guys are successful. They have their chip on their shoulder because I have a chip on my shoulder because I'm constantly challenging myself to be better. I try to be organized, okay, and detailed, hoping that pours into their, their skill set and technique and their approach to the game, whether it's watching opponent film or mastering down a press man technique or technique in general to be successful on Saturdays. Being myself has kind of set my guys over the top or, again, kind of separate them guys from other defensive back unit in the country. Coach, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you if they want to learn more about what you do? Please give me a follow on, on Twitter, at Coach Safford, at C-O-A-C-H-S-A-F-F-O-R-D. I would love to connect with anyone. I'm always finding ways to grow, whether that's me, you know, answering your question and we can kind of steer off a conversation from there, or I guarantee you, I'm probably going to have a question for you on how you do things in regards to the back end or as a defense in a whole. So please have the, uh, please reach out to me um, on Twitter. Uh, maybe we can connect 
exchange phone conversations or excuse me, contacts and, um, and, and, you know, kind of continue to build that relationship. Again, I'm not only building a relationship with my guys. I'm looking forward to building a relationship with coaches because you never know where those guys may end up. You never know where I may end up one day. We may cross paths, you know, at, at the convention, I'm on the road recruiting or even in the season. So I'm always looking forward to connecting with, with anyone and everyone. Again, the best way is, is my Twitter handle, which is at Coach Sapper, C-O-A-C-H. S-A-F-F-O-R-D. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck to you and the Owls in 2022. Thank you so much, Keith, man. It's always a pleasure connecting with you, man. Again, like I emphasize, you, you always put on a platform for me to grow, and I'm forever thankful for it.